Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Brand Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Brand Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Millsoff, features editor at Billboard and uh, Tony attendee and Broadway fan here, of course. Um, so today we have a special non-Friday edition of Billboard on Broadway because, as I hope all of you know, the Tony Awards were last night. Uh, there is a lot to talk about. And thankfully, I have someone else to talk about them with today. Uh, you can hear him laughing in the background because he's so delighted to be here. Um, uh, Mo Brady is someone who uh, we, we have a little bit of a mutual admiration society, I think. Uh, he's the co-creator and host of The Ensemblist, which is a, a great podcast for anyone who is really interested in kind of the inner workings of musical theater. Um, it's all about the people in the ensembles of shows uh, in Broadway and uh, in theaters across the country and provides such great insight into what it's like to not be the star of the show and be the person uh, working their asses off eight <laughs> days a week um, and making the stars look good. So I highly re- recommend you tune into The Ensemblist. It's been around since t- uh, 2013. Um, but Mo also uh, works uh, at Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, um, a super important nonprofit uh, that y- if you go to shows, you sometimes hear their um, annual or biannual, twice bi-annual a year. Um, call uh, to to donate to a really great cause. Um, and you got an awesome shout out from Judith Light last night. Yeah. Well, she won the Isabel Stevenson Humanitarian Award, right? Yes. 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 And so she's always been such a great uh, advocate of Broadway Cares from the very beginning. Yeah. No. And I mean... Who who's better to get a shout out from, from than, the Judith Light. than the icon herself? Yes, everyone's mom. Uh, yes, who I, I I stood very close to her on various occasions last night, but we'll get into that later. But I was just sort of <laughs> trying to bask in the Judith Light glow. Um, so thank you for coming today, Mo. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm so <laughs> excited. I'm such a big fan of your podcast, and so to be here is really is thrilling. And something else important to know about Mo is that before he joined Broadway Cares, he was also a performer on Broadway. Um, so I would really love to hear your insights, too, of having been on the other side of Tony Awards season and what it's like. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, I think what's sort of the biggest surprise is how excited everyone is to be on the Tonys. I mean, you see that. You see that mm-hmm. on social media. You see that excitement that everybody has. It's like... 
yes, it's a job. Yes, it's eight shows a week. But for some reason, we just all get hype about this one time, I think because it connects with our families back home and with ourselves when we were younger. It's just it really is that much of a party for everybody in the Broadway community as well. And have you, in your past acting life, actually gotten to perform on the Tonys before? No, I've never been to the Tonys before. So <laughs> you, you're you one up on me, Rebecca. You've, you've actually been there. I have that questions. feels unfair. Um, well, I, I, I've always been interested to hear about the dress rehearsal. I've never been to the dress rehearsal. The dress I've been rehearsal to the I've been show. to. It's super fun. Uh, the morning of, at like 9 a.m., they will do an invited dress rehearsal for, I'm not exactly sure who it's for. Yeah, I don't know who gets to go to. Um, it's a weird variety of people. I've gone through the through Broadway Cares is how I've been invited. But basically, mm -hmm. they run the show from start to finish without stopping uh, and you get to see kind of the structure of it. You get to see what the opening number is going to be. You get to see the numbers that every show has chosen. They do fake winners. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, I think they say something like, for this rehearsal only, the winner for best featured actress in a musical is, and then they'll mm -hmm. say a fake person. Um, some of the celeb hosts are there, some are not. I think you can sort of tell based on who says names correctly later yes. in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, that went pretty well last night. But yeah, I've heard I heard about how I think maybe through Beetlejuice about how it's uh yes, Alex Brightman did an interview with us uh before the Tonys where he was talking about the fact that the Tony dress rehearsal is really like full makeup, full run through. It's not just like going through the paces of the number and then they go back and they do their Sunday matinee and then they come to the Tonys. So yep. it's like an incredibly full day for the nominees. I think it's sort of like the live musicals where they do it in full costume because mm -hmm. just in case there's a problem with um, the filming, the live uh, broadcast later in the day, they can cut back to it. That would make sense. Yeah, I think that's why they do that. And those little snippets where they show on television, like when they recap the nominees for Best Musical or Best Revival, I think those are actually taken from the afternoon mm -hmm. rehearsal so they can get those packages ready. That makes sense. Well, so how was your viewing experience last night? My viewing experience was great. Um, it was just me and my husband on the couch in suburban New Jersey. Uh, we, we started a little late because we were putting our three-year-old son to bed, but we got to watch the whole thing. We stayed quiet during the musical numbers. We talked during the commercials. Ideal Tony party Ideal etiquette. Ideal Tony etiquette, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. People who talk during the singing, it's bad. Um, well, in many ways, that is the ideal way to watch yes. the Tonys, I think. <laughs> well, I got to use the restroom whenever I wanted. I could go get a drink of water whenever I wanted. Presumably, you can, like, eat pad thai and just, like, chill out. <laughs> sure, I was, in, I was in comfy clothes. You had a very different experience, though. I did, yes. So I've I've been lucky enough to go to the Tonys. This is my third year going. Um, the past two years, I went by myself, and this year I got to a guest, which was very nice, um, because it is a very uh, long night. Um, I, I think that from years of watching award shows, particularly things like the Oscars, where you hear the celebrities who attend complaining about being like starving by the time it's over, <laughs> and they just have to like eat their hand because it's like such a long night. I've always been like, really, is it that hard? But it actually is a very <laughs> long night. I mean, uh, you know, the the Tonys happen at Radio City Music Hall in New York. And they start at a very precise time at 7 o'clock. The doors close. 
Uh, and for an hour before the actual broadcast starts, the sort of creative arts awards, I guess, happen. Uh, so we get to see longer speeches than the ones that are kind of snippeted later on in the, in the live broadcast, um, which I love because I feel like the people who do costume and lighting design and uh, the, the choreographers, like they, they give some of the best speeches, much like they do yeah. at the Oscars. They're like the kookiest, most creative people. Um, and... I was I was particularly um, moved by there. I mean, there were a couple of great speeches during that first hour, but um, Sergio Trujillo, who choreographed uh, "Into Proud," who I sh I should say I've known for a few years now, and I'm like so personally happy for him. The dancing in that show is incredible. Um, but he is originally from Colombia, and he gave like a, an incredibly moving speech that got a standing ovation in the room. Um, about having first been an illegal immigrant when he came to the country and about how long his career has actually been leading to this moment. So that was a, a really great moment that people didn't get to see on TV. He's such a sort of Broadway success story. You know, he started yeah. as a Broadway ensemble member. He's been choreographing on Broadway for 10 years, but like wasn't being nominated for some of his really great work. Um, like... Memphis. Um, we did the Adams Family together, Sergio ah. and I. So to see him sort of be embraced by the nominating committee and then embraced by the Tony voters as a whole, I think is is so great. He he's such an exciting choreographer. He creates such vibrant movement, and it it was just it was a joy to see him up on that stage. I think it's really fun to see people who look like really excited to win the, the totally, awards. Totally, know? totally. There was there was a some really genuine emotion on his part. And I think even for some of the people who I really, really wanted to win last night, their speeches didn't sound somewhat prepared. Mm -hmm. um, I loved Ali Stroker's speech, but she was so calm and collected. Yes. I was like... Is someone a little ready for this? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, you have things you want to get out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, especially when you're when you have sort of like that that I don't know that news peg. You know, Rachel Chafkin talking about women, uh, mm -hmm. Ali talking about diversity. They all sort of talked about diversity in their own ways. And yeah. yes, you want to thank your mom and your family, but you also want to like sort of recognize. The bigger moment of it all. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think being prepared is certainly better than the <laughs> not alternative. In, in most cases. But uh, but like you said, it is nice to see that these moments of just genuine raw emotion that come out. Um, Was that your favorite speech last night? Sergio's? I think so. I, and I loved Rachel's as well. Rachel's was so great. Yeah. I thought that as well. What did she say? She said she was talking about women and diversity, and she said it wasn't a pipeline issue. It's a failure of imagination by those whose job it is. To be imaginative. And it was it was a thought that I have obviously we've thought before, but she put it into words I had never heard before. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was great. And it was also it had really hit home for me because when they were announcing the nominees on stage and they were showing the pictures, it was like four older white men mm -hmm. and then her. And I was like, oh, my God, she's like the she looked lonely. And like she said, so much of Hades Town is about, you know, knowing that you're not alone in a larger community. And that was sort of not her experience. So I thought it was a really timely but also like super relevant moment to be talking about that. The other speech that I loved was Andre DeShields. Yeah. He's just like, he's like the kooky old grandpa we all wish we had. Yes, you know? he's like he's living on another planet or plane than the rest of us. What but did he yeah. say? There are not enough minutes 
to explain my 73 years on the earth plane for those who have loved me into consciousness. I was like, who comes up with that? I know. And what other plane has he been living in? That's what we don't know about. Um, But his three, you know, his three, I didn't write down his three sort of guides for living. Yeah, but but they were amazing. Slow is the fastest way to be there. Surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when you walk in the room. Um, I was like, oh, this is just... You do just want to sit with Andre De Shields. And also, did you see his shoes? Oh, yeah, the gold shoes. The gold right? shoes I with assumed, the wings were incredible. Yeah. I assumed that was our Hermes reference. Yes. Yes. Um, and he's just such a force in the show, too. Um, was he your pick for best featured actor in a musical? I, f- I figured that he would be. Um, it seemed, I mean, it seemed also like a great moment to be acknowledging his career as well. And uh, he really. You know, he's just watching him on stage in that show is like it's like watching a dancer and he's just like so elegant and so cool and sort of quietly magnetic. And, you know, I obviously never saw him in The Wiz, but I can sort of imagine him as The Wiz very easily. We at at Broadway Cares, we've did um, a couple years ago, we did an anniversary tribute to The Wiz and Andre came out. Lilius White performed as well. It was so he did. um the Wiz's number from the top of Act Two. Mm-hmm. And oh, so you wanted to meet the wizard. Yeah. And it was incredible. He's just he's he's a singular force. Um, which is so it was which is so thrilling in the show as well. You do feel like you're sort of like watching a piece of theater history when you're watching him perform. Yeah, completely. So I, I think like during the show itself, the uh well, first of all, we should talk a little bit about James Corden. Um, oh, yeah. And hosting. Um, you know, this is something that he is comfortable with at yeah, this point. Sure. And he, you know, I think that he's an appropriate host in so many ways because he's been probably one of the most vocal people on, if not the most vocal person on network television for musical theater and has done so much on his show to bring it to a wider audience. Um I'm going to say that last night was, like, not my favorite year of him hosting. Like, for for whatever reason, the opening number didn't feel super easy to follow to me. Like Shaggy. Even, it felt a little shaggy. The Even being in the room, it was sometimes hard to understand all the words. Um, yeah. Well, after the 2016 Tonys, the year that Hamilton won, he yeah. had such sort of a great vision about that kid. And then the parents and then that sort of that sort of continuation of the idea from 2013 that we were all that theater kid. Yeah. Was so fun. And I like that he has sort of a mission with his opening numbers. This Mm -hmm. one felt like it landed. It didn't land as well as 2016 for me. Yeah, I think that was probably the earlier idea was maybe a, a little bit more of a concrete one to drive a number. I was thinking about. My favorite Tony opening numbers and, you know, like the Neil Patrick Harris ones, which are like the model, the it's not just for gays anymore. And the like more, more, more one. Yeah, bigger is better. Were like great concrete ideas that were easy to illustrate like in a performance. And and I don't think only use the nominated shows as well. This just felt kind of like let's trot out the nominated shows and show you what they are. Oh, sure. That quick pass of all of them at the beginning. Yeah. It was. It was almost too quick. Like, didn't he not get lifted up in his Kiss Me Kate 
cross of the stage. You saw Stephanie Styles be carried by two of the guys for Kiss Me Kate. Yeah. And then he was supposed to be carried, but he like jumped on her. I mean, there's a lot going on. We there gotta... was a lot happening. I think I didn't even see that because there was just a lot to watch. So it, it was just fast and furious in a way, sort of like the... 2009 year where Brett Michaels gets hit on the head with the like, it's just a lot going on in a very little amount of time yes. um, it is fun to see a bunch of people on stage in all sorts of costumes that idea of community was so yeah strong. I, I thought that by the end of the number that like seeing everyone on stage together was like was pretty moving it's funny that sort of our calling call card to the world is like every a bunch of people in costumes holding their hands jazz jazz hands out splayed that's like the way that we say we are here as theater people yes i guess that we're not trying to uh dissuade people from having any stereotypes but it's fine (laughs) it's fine the world needs more more jazz hands um i did think that uh something that happened during the commercial breaks right um would have been great to have on the live show uh which is that during a few of the commercial breaks um i mean Two things happen during the commercial breaks. Sometimes there are live things that we all get to watch in the auditorium. Sometimes we get to watch Broadway trivia on a large screen in the middle of the stage. <laughs> like all of a sudden you hear uh, Seven Rings playing and it's like, what former Broadway star turned pop star is singing this song? And I'm like, do people in this room not know Ariana Grande? I think everyone here knows who she is. Um, An intern at the Broadway League needed something to do for yes. their spring project. It's fine. <laughs> it's all good. It gives us something to look at. Um, but during the other breaks, uh, he, James Corden did, I, I suppose, it's inspired by carpool karaoke, but he did like live Broadway karaoke with people in the audience. And I think that it happened three times, and all times was amazing. Ben Platt sang Tomorrow from Annie. Oh, my gosh. That must have been um, so good. Which was very good. And he, he started out sounding very sort of half-hearted, and then all of a sudden, like, the baritone came out, and it was it was very moving. And he at one point said, where's SJP when you need her? Sarah Jessica Parker, mm-hmm. an original Annie. Um, I thought I liked that little shout-out. Um, and then in another break, he found Anthony Ramos – who picked uh, 96,000 from In the Heights. Oh, and he's, fun. of course, going to be playing Usnavi in the in the Heights movie. And then he started it, and then he found Chris Jackson, who was originally uh, Benny and In the Heights, and they started just doing 96,000 together. Oh, my and gosh. They cut, it got cut off because of commercial break time in the middle of Chris singing, and I was like, this is criminal. <laughs> but it was so cool to have, like, this relived In the Heights moment there. Like, too bad Karen Olivo couldn't have joined in. Um, and then the last moment was uh, uh, James had been looking for Billy Porter, like, since the first karaoke break and was How like you miss we Billy have to... Porter in that costume he's like <laughs> yeah, he's like Jordan he was... Roth you can't miss him yes <laughs> the first time I think that he was he was backstage because he was about to present an award um but he he finally found Billy Porter uh who was not wearing that skirt in the audience okay. I think it was like detachable maybe um and he got him to sing uh everything's coming up roses which he I think some of the lyrics were a little improvised but it was Amazing, and he ended up going on stage and like doing a whole thing on stage with it. Good for um, him. And he was great. He sounded good, and he <laughs> he was like teasing the orchestra and being like, "We'll see if it's in my key." And <laughs> there was like an "All right, bitches, let's do this" moment. So I mean, Billy Porter can uh, command the attention of a giant theater quite easily. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and he totally ruled. So 
uh, that was my favorite sort of not seen on TV moment. It was an evening of not many surprises, in yes. my opinion. What did were were you surprised by anything? At least the performances, the energy, if things landed versus not landing. I'm I'm intrigued by what landed in the theater versus what we saw at home. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that um I always find the the musical numbers that the shows choose to do on the Tonys, I always find them a little lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that for instance, like last year, Dear Evan Hansen did the perfect thing. Like they they brought out Ben Platt. He sang his one big song. And uh, it's simple. It's clean. He can do the, the number completely unadulterated. And it, and it works really well that way. I think that when the shows come out and feel like they have to sandwich in like three songs into what I have to imagine is like three minutes total mm-hmm. at most, it starts to feel very piecemeal and confusing. And I think a lot of shows that are completely great end up turning in sort of mediocre or at least like hard to follow performances. I actually felt like last night everyone did really well in that regard. I I particularly was impressed by Beetlejuice because I think that if any show was going to tend towards a sort of overstuffed, let's throw everything at the wall, show them all of our stagecraft at once um, performance, Beetlejuice would make sense because it's like the most crazy theatrical of the shows and there's all sorts of like stage stagecraft trickery that happens right. and obviously they have the songs from the movie that are in the show and then the original songs and I thought that they really reinvented everything. The um, Deo was not presented in the same way it is in the show. The whole, this is welcome to a show about death song was completely sort of rewritten to be Tony relevant. Right. And uh, I thought it was funny, and I thought that sort of the run of the number went really well. So that was sort of something I was pleasantly surprised by. I'm always impressed with Alex Brightman on these live things, because on the to- on the Today Show, he also memorized original lyrics to ah, that number as well. So not only is he, like, memorizing new lyrics for a song he already knows that he's going to perform once on live TV. It's just like... It's it's a big lift. And so the fact that he does it is, I think, very impressive. Yeah. No, he like he has kind of the nimbleness of like a stand up comic. Totally. Um, And not a lot of performers could do that. Um, And I think, too, like Hadestown, I think, is a it's such a sort of strongly conceptual show. I think it could be hard to excerpt from and give the audience that hasn't seen it sort of proper context. But I thought that the number that they chose was presented Kind of as well as it could be. Um, I thought it was a weird choice. Oh, okay. I, we're, we, <laughs> we can we can we can duke it out a little bit. I love Wait for Me. Like I yeah. loved Hades Town. I am happy that it won. I love the number. I've been listening to the song that they performed. Yeah. Basically on repeat for a week, but it just didn't like land in the way that it did in the theater. Did you? Yeah. Well, I think that part of part of the advantage of being in the theater is that you see those those swinging lamps that were um in the number they feel just so so much more immediate and you get like a sense of depth and a sense of kind of the traveling that's happening like much more clearly i, I was surprised that they didn't choose an up tempo i mean some of that trombone music is just so fun in yeah. that show and to do a number that highlights your one principal actor who's not nominated for an award that evening yeah and it's just like there's just 
I love that song, but there's other choices for that show. Yeah, that's a good point because I, I mean, you look at something like the Oklahoma number that was done. To me, that was a good balance of like, obviously, there was a lot of push behind Ali Stroker mm-hmm. and, and she won. But then it also kind of highlighted the whole ensemble as well. Right. And I sometimes think that these shows that are up for best musical or up for best revival, maybe it's that they want to show the whole ensemble and not just focus on one person. You know, with Hades Town, I thought maybe they would do a Persephone song or maybe they would at least do the opening number, which sort of introduces everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, it seems to me like, I don't know, maybe because of the the best musical push they wanted something that showed everyone well you um, got to do the walls expanding with the led screens in the back you got to show the lighting you know all those other things that Hades town won for mm-hmm. we were seeing those elements um on the telecast so i was like okay i see what you did i, don't know, I just wanted like i wanted like more of a like an up tempo i don't know I just mo wanted, is dancing yeah, right I, now for people I'm who da- can't see him i da- i <laughs> I, it was an interesting choice for me. Yeah, I I, I see your point of view. I, I I I can agree with you on some points. What what landed for me the best was the prom, at least from home. Interesting. That number leapt off of the screen in, in a way that it doesn't necessarily like. I think it looked better at home than it does in the theater. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing to hear uh, because I I mean I think that. In the theater, something like the prom or even the Tootsie number two, it just read as like a lot of people singing and dancing hmm. in a group. And it it didn't pop to me as sure. much um, as something like Beetlejuice, which was like staged in a very imaginative way. Or even the Hadestown number, even if overall it didn't read as well, it like there was like a focal point. It wasn't just like, I'm looking at people dancing in lines. Um, so it's interesting to hear that the way it was, obviously it was shot really well. Yeah. The, well, like, you know, I think there may be worth like tighter angles or like all mm-hmm. that stuff where like people slide on their knees towards the camera. We had yeah. Ephraim Sykes and Ain't Too Proud. Yes. We had some of that going on in, in the um, prom number as well. You know, it's like really feeling like closer rather than like a, that big line of people that you sometimes get yeah. on that stage. Um, that's I I can't believe I didn't talk about Ain't Too Proud yet because that was also – I thought that was also a good yeah. um, sort of selection of numbers. And I was really happy that they highlighted the orchestra, which I think is like such a crucial part of the show and how vibrant it feels. And Yeah, yeah. they had them all on stage, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is what happens at the end of the show um, live. So it was cool to see that too. Um, I found some things a little strange. I want to hear all about them. Uh, <laughs> I I think that the the number one thing that jumped out at me as being a little weird was something that I, on face value, really enjoyed, which was the sort of the one other big original musical interlude, um, which James Corden, Sarah Bareilles, Josh Groban, and momentarily Neil Patrick Harris did a sort of rewritten takeoff on Michael in the bathroom from Be More Chill. Uh, As anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I'm a big Be More Chill fan. (laughs) I know not everyone in the world is, uh, but I would say it's it's a show with a pretty giant audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think an extremely young audience. And one of the points that was sort of made by the uh, people who run the Tonys last night was that this has been like a really landmark season for Broadway with higher attendance than ever and also a younger audience than ever. And I couldn't help immediately thinking, well, 
that's because of Be More Chill, because all the teens right. are going to be more chill. Um, and it just felt like completely absent from the telecast to me. And I didn't realize until afterwards that that number was presented with like no reference to Be More Chill. Yeah. They so didn't... the fact that it was from Be More Chill. Right. And uh, I don't know. It just made me a little a little disappointed to see a that like you know George Salazar who sings that song in the show and who really has a breakout star moment because of that song mm-hmm. and that song is what has gone viral on the internet and brought so much of a new audience to the show um for him not to be involved and I, I don't even know that he you know got to be there last night um or or any shout out to Joe Iconis who was nominated for the score I saw on Twitter um, it, this morning he didn't even know it was going to happen. Yeah. So I find that all a little strange, and I sort of want to know a little bit more about the behind-the-scenes story behind that. I don't know how you present a song that is, like, clearly the song from someone's show and, like, not even tell them it's happening. Yeah. Or because it's a song that a lot of people in the theater know, but it's not sure. necessarily, like, a a household song that's not everyone at home is going to obviously know that it's from be more chill and that it's a shout out to them and their inclusion in the, in the season. Totally. It, it felt like there was sort of an introductory step missing. Yeah. No. And I, and I mean, by the way, I think it was done really, really oh, well. It was re- done really I, well. I was like, this is the kind of thing that I would like to see more of at the Tonys. I mean, I love, I thought that Sarah Bareilles and Josh Groban together as hosts were fantastic. I would like them to come back at some point. Yeah. Um, it was very funny. It was very cleverly rewritten. Um, and at some point, I actually was like, maybe they'll open a door and George will be there. Um, but it was, yeah, it's just sort of maybe mishandled a little bit. Um, was it, do you know if it was done live? We, I mean, we couldn't tell at home. I I believe it was taped yeah. because we were we were watching it on a screen as well. Got it. I, I assumed probably they've got a lot to do in yeah. the evening. That as much as they can get out of the way before the telecast, they probably yeah. Do. I'm not sure if Neil Patrick Harris was there. I don't I don't recall seeing him. Mm-hmm. Not that I saw every famous person there, but I would think he would have been recognizable. Sure, they would probably would have highlighted him a little bit more throughout the evening. He's yeah. He's a well known name. He's a favorite. He's yes. a big champion. <laughs> Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code program so you've got an idea for a business the store of your dreams there's just one thing to figure out everything that's why shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online in person and everywhere else sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling it's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want so when you're ready to bring your idea to life power it up with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen (laughs) what else was odd for you um i'm trying to think that was the one thing that kind of jumped out at me i i am interested and i don't know if as a uh, performer and and also someone who talks to people in the ensemble a lot of you know I am interested in what it takes to get a performance on the Tonys because I 
thought, I guess this is a bit of a offshoot from Be More Chill, but, you know, like Choir Boy, which was nominated for Best Play, but has uh, is very unique in having sort of musical and dance elements that got a performance on the show. The Cher Show, which I'm pretty sure was not nominated for Best Musical, mm-hmm. got a big performance. Yes. Um, and I think it was the only show that wasn't nominated for Best Musical that got a performance. So I'm... It, I was a little confused and it was like, how did this happen? How are these decisions made? Like, I don't, I just don't get it. My impression is that the decision of what shows get to be on the telecast is made by some grouping between CBS and the league and the Broadway league and the American theater wing. Mm -hmm. Um, And sort of first pick go to best musical nominees and best revival of a musical nominees. Basically, you have a spot. And then those fill in from there. Mm-hmm. My other impression is that whether you're nominated or not, the production pays for that spot. Ah. So, you know, Roundabout Theater is paying for the opportunity to have a three-minute commercial on the Tony Awards. Mm-hmm. The Share Show paid for a three-minute commercial on the Tony Awards, which, by the way, I thought they did exactly right for that show. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they trotted out Stephanie. She she made you laugh. They put out the, the, costumes. She, the costumes. And you were like, that's the show. There you go. If yeah. you want to see that, then you should go see Cher. If yeah. you, that's not for you, then you should not go see Cher. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like um, so I... I thought Choir Boy was interesting, um, maybe because they really see it having a life in regional theaters that was something that they mm-hmm. wanted to push. Um, and also because Camille was nominated, there was sort of an act- extra element of let's show this other thing that was going on. True. But I did feel like Choir Boy's performance, while I really enjoyed it, was the head scratcher. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to to hear. Um, because I was, I mean, I was thinking again, not to OD on talking about be more chill. I was thinking there's a show with a really young audience. Um, maybe CBS would be interested in uh, like for ratings, Mm -hmm. younger people tuning into the Tonys. If they, I mean, if any be more chill fans knew that there was going to be a performance on TV, they would all watch it. Um, but that was, I mean, just one thought. My impression is that the production has to pay for it. And if Mm -hmm. it's not something that the production wants to pay... And my impression is it's like a quarter of a million dollars or something. Like it's a lot of Ooh. money. So you, it is a big financial decision to perform on the Tony Awards. Mm-hmm. Do you remember with the Spring Awakening revival how Ken Davenport like crowdfunded their Tony I didn't performance? Know about that. Yeah. yeah. So the the Deaf West revival basically because the, the show was closed, they didn't have any money, and so he like, I mean, I don't remember if it was. Um, which platform he used, but he basically raised a quarter of a million dollars so that he could get all of the people together, rehearse them in the space, record the the audio track, mm-hmm. get the set pieces they needed, and then perform on the Tony Awards that night. Fascinating. Yeah. Do you likewise know anything about how – what is behind who gets to come from each show? No. I'm sure that has a that is about with – 
that has something to do with press agents and managers and nominees uh-huh. and and where seats are allocated in the space as well. Often you see sort of the 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 nominees are down front, but then you'll see other people from the production mm-hmm. much further back. Yeah, I was going to say that you you sometimes see you see some of the um creative teams go on stage and then like shout out to people in the balcony yeah. and then Sometimes, I mean, there are shows where you see the entire cast there. There are shows where you see like not very many people there at all. And I've, it's, that's always been a head scratcher for me as well. Like, who gets to come? How do they get to come? Are shows allocated a certain number of tickets? If you're a best musical or best revival nominee, does everyone automatically get to go? Like, uh, I, I think know. you're paying for those tickets unless yeah. the production decides. <laughs> to I see pay. this all coming around to ultimately everything has to be paid for. <laughs> right. I mean, but it who, makes sense. Who else is going to pay to rent Radio City Music Hall? You yeah. know, like it, it's a. Those tickets are the tickets are expensive, right? Yeah, I believe so. And I mean, I get them for free. Sure. But um, but no, but I'm sure they are. And I, I've I'm, been fascinated just to see the fact that like. It really is packed in there. There are very few empty seats. And it's fun to – I think the Tonys are, you know, in general fun for people watching if mm-hmm. you're there. And not only to see the famous people, but you just see all these other people and you're like, who are these people? And, you know – And sometimes they're the most important people and you just don't know They are them. often the most important people. Right. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, I ran into someone I know there who I was like – why are you here? And I, I know he's a big Broadway fan, but he works for an advertising agency that works for CB with CBS. And so a bunch of people from from that group are there. And I was like, yes, I guess the people who who fund these things are important. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it's I, I will say one uh, charming anecdote from last night about who are these other people in the room is. You know, I was sitting I was sitting on the in the orchestra section, which in Radio City feels like it's like the size of a football field. Sure. Um, so I was probably like maybe like rear middle of Radio City and I was pretty central, which was nice. And I'm sitting around all these people who who knows who they are. I think I was sitting close to a lot of people from the ferryman because there was a lot of screaming anytime the ferryman <laughs> around in my general vicinity, anytime the ferryman went anything. Um but there was like this little old lady sitting behind me and I was like, I guess she's someone. And uh, during the um, pre, I call it the pre-show, but the pre-show awards, mm-hmm. um, when the man who won for best book of a musical, which I think was for Tootsie. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden this woman goes, that's my son. <laughs> <laughs> and she like stood up and was just repeatedly saying, that's my son, that's my son, that's my son. And she's this adorable little elderly woman. And she was just like covering her mouth and like tearing up. And it was like, it was so amazing to see up close. Like the people who are referred to in the speeches are real people. Are, and sometimes they're <laughs> and, there in the room. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think that he had also referenced his partner who was also sitting with her and the two of so the two of them were together and it was just like the most heartwarming moment everywhere all all of us sitting around her were like congratulating her and like oh, she it was very cute and then he came her son came to to see her later and she was and was trying to tell her like we'll text i have to go back to my seat but <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of a, a like a special thing to observe up close what was your favorite moment of the whole proceedings Oh man, I think that might have been it. I like I loved being next to her. It was so cool. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, I liked that. I liked I liked Rachel's speech. I liked 
Sergio's speech. I, I, I in general, I guess this is not one moment, but I was very happy to see Hades Town take home as many awards as it did. Um, I, th- I, I kind of figured that this year was gonna be somewhat similar to last year in that. Um, I'm actually realizing that Dear Evan Hansen was two years ago, not last year. Feels La- like it was just last yeah, year. Last year was Ben's last year was Ben's visit. visit. Yeah, so I was but we have f- been celebrating these small sort of chamber musicals with our biggest award. Exactly. And I think that people have always asked me, like, do you think the Tonys get it right, like, more than the Oscars do? And in recent years, I feel like I feel like they have. Not that the other shows that are nominated are not deserving. Like, they're all great shows. I've, en- I've enjoyed, you know, all of the shows that were that were nominated this year. Um, but last year, it, f- it kind of felt like a, a David versus Goliath situation. Mm-hmm. With mean, it was either going to be Mean Girls or The Band's Visit. And Mean Girls was a, a lot of fun. I thought it was really well done. But The Band's Visit was kind of like, it felt like a, a once in a decade kind of musical. And it was just so different. And it really felt like it was pushing the art form forward in a way we hadn't seen before. And... You know, I was it, it was a little musical, like literally and figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really hopeful that like that sort of just how innovative it was would be rewarded. And it totally was. Mm-hmm. And this year it kind of felt like the same. It was going to come down to the same thing between yeah. Hades Town and a show like The Prom or a show like Tootsie that is a classic, big, let's see, Broadway musical comedy. And this smaller show that, you know, started at New York Theater Workshop and has had this, you know, two two to three year trudge to Broadway through various productions. And so I was, you know, I was likewise really happy to see that rewarded. Yeah, I I agree. I'm a I'm a big prom fan. It I I, I love the show. I um I was sort of hoping for a prom surprise last night, but Hades Town is such a beautiful show and it's such a great theatrical experience to sit in the theater at the Walter Kerr and they all come out at the beginning and they welcome us into the space and you're like, I'm going to listen to a story Mm -hmm. told by people who know that I'm here and I'm going to sit in a room with a thousand other people and we're going to hear a story we've heard time and again told in a really kind of present, exciting way. Mm -hmm. And in a new way and you feel like you're disappearing into sort of a world for a little while, which is nice. I will say in in support of the prom that it was incredible to see and feel the support for it in the room. I thought that any time there was a prom nominee, the amount of applause was insane. Right. It really, it, I felt like the prom nominees actually got the most applause in the room. And Heidi Schreck, too. That yes. was the other thing. What the Constitution means to me, you could sort of hear. I think um, when we watch on TV, you can hear sort of like the people up close clapping politely and then the screams going on from the balconies (laughs) behind there's like two different levels of sound and what the constitution means to me and the prom seemed to have a lot more screams coming from the back of the house yeah yeah there was there was a group of of people near me who like they looked like high school kids and i wondered if they were prom related in some way but they were very very pro prom um (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah that was that was definitely something that felt visceral up close Tell me about that. Tell me about what you did after the after party, after parties. There was only one after party for me. I do not get (laughs) invited to the many others. So there I you know, I I think that there are many different levels of Tony after party and many different levels of exclusivity. Um, The main uh, the official uh, after Tony party happens at the Plaza Hotel in New York. Um, 
It's good they don't fly you to another city for the party. That seems like a long way. <laughs> that would seem like a lot, yes. Not the plaza elsewhere. No. Um, and then there is there is like a very famous party at the Carlisle Hotel, which one of the biggest um, and sort of most heavyweight uh, Broadway PR firms throws. That is a party that I think feels a little more insidery, a little mm-hmm. more sceny. Um, you see pictures of it in the New York Times style section the next day, although I haven't looked yet. Um, and then – Show some shows have individual parties as well. I am I'm not sure who did what last night yet, but um, I know that like last year the band's visit had a big party of its own. Um, and I've I'm sidebar interested in how that happens because like what if your show doesn't win? Do you still have a giant party? I think you do. You just yeah. have sort of a different energy. A different at energy that, of at like that party. Uh, we're losing a lot of money, um, <laughs> or we have a lot of work to do tomorrow to figure out. I mean, everyone has a lot of work to do. Whether you're Hades Town and you're like, okay, great, we won eight. Well, they won eight Tonys, I think. I believe so. Okay, yeah. like how do we take this momentum and move forward? Or mm-hmm. if you're Tootsie or the Prom, or if you're the, I mean, the Prom didn't win anything. So then you go, how do we go from being seven Tony nominations to zero Tony awards and how do we push forward that and keep building an audience? Yeah, no, that's a really interesting question. Both shows have a lot of work to do today. Yeah, in in different ways. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I'd love to hear about how that happens. But I think regardless, you're probably having a well-deserved drink or five. Yes, yes, five, <laughs> ten. Party. Yeah. So the, the Plaza party is what I get to go to and um, it's I mean, it, first of all, it's beautiful. I mean, this is a beautiful, very fancy hotel that is completely taken over by the Tony after party. It's There are basically like two floors and the lower floor is on an ordinary day, this like very fancy food court. I feel like when I say food court, people think of like a mall food court. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. It's like giant, like the size of the whole hotel, all of these little vendors that have very, very good food. And it's just kind of like open season for a night. It's just like more free food than you have seen in your life and like very, very good. All right, food. I'll see you there next year. There's yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's like a frozen yogurt store that's just like go into the frozen yogurt store and do what you like, which I feel like is everyone's secret dream. Yeah. To, yeah, like, yeah. Have their own ice cream shop. Definitely. Right? <laughs> so the snacks are amazing. I feel like the snacks need to get props. Um they deserve but, their own Tony Award. Yes, they deserve their own Tony. Um <laughs> But I, I think that really the coolest thing about this party is just seeing everyone mingling and seeing who comes and who talks to who because this is – it really is kind of the first stop for uh, for the night for most people. So it, you might think that, you know, someone who won Best Actor in a Musical would just immediately go to their show's party and skip the whole larger general shindig. But they everybody really does – come to this party first. So you see people like walking around carrying Tony Awards and also carrying like a tiny like plate for a wonton (laughs) and like trying to balance on a bar stool in a ball gown um, and just everyone squeezing through each other and um, people meeting each other. And and it's nice because the I think the people who won awards feel very accessible. You don't feel like they're trying to not be seen or not talk to people who are not involved with their shows. Like you see, you know, regular people walking up to uh, award winners and congratulating them and actually being engaged with, which is really nice to see. Like it's, it doesn't have a weird feeling of exclusivity. Um, And I I ran into Sergio there. So I got to see him, which was exciting. And 
Uh, I saw Joey Connors there. Um, and I ran into uh, former podcast guest Daphne Rubin Vega, <laughs> which was nice. Um, so it was it's just funny. It's just like you're I'm like, oh, I just walked past Regina King. I just walked past Santino Fontana's chilling and like Kelly O'Hara's congratulating Damon Dono from Oklahoma. Like it's cool just to like be a fly on the wall and see all that. Well, I mean, it feels like it's kind of indicative of our community, right? Yeah. I yeah. loved the part of the evening um, where uh, James Corden was trying to get people against each other. Yes. You know, like <laughs> was it Ben Platt and Rachel Brosnahan, right? Yeah. And and he said he the whole premise is that we all love each other, but let's start some fights to get ratings. Yes. It just felt so true. I don't know. Jokes jokes like that don't always land but that really rang true like this is a supportive community we like being around each other we like celebrating each other's successes yeah i've always i've always wondered if there's something i don't know about like the real inner workings of the broadway community but it just seems like everybody loves each other and everyone is so supportive it's like it's like the great british baking show of, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Of performing arts like it's not really a competition where people are like angling for each other's heads at all no, we're this part of it is so political and is sort of it's sort of beyond the art. It's more about the producing, right? Um, there's a lot of campaigning that goes along, like any other award ceremony. But I think at the at the heart of it, we're all just really impressed with each other's work ethic and each other's talent. I think that's why you see somebody like. Stephanie or Santino winning these awards. Yes, it's for the performances that they're giving in the shows they're in right now, but also it ends up being kind of an award for your body of work and also being an award for just like people liking you. I yeah. mean, people like Santino Fontana and they like Stephanie J. Block. Mm -hmm. And so it feels good to give them an award. Completely. It, Andre DeShields, you know, like Celia Keenan Bolger. We like these people. We want to we want to put them on a pedestal. Yeah. And I was going to say just mentioning Andre DeShields made me think, I mean, you see there, there was also the bit where he was making everyone practice their um, I lost faces. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And which I really enjoyed. Kristen Chenoweth was um, amazing and hilarious as usual. Uh, but I, I was particularly paying attention to the the featured actor category because I was I mean, I love the two guys in Ain't Too Proud, Ephraim Sykes and Jeremy Pope. Um, I was really rooting for Ephraim. I had a feeling that probably having two people from the same show is always yeah, going to end pulls. up splitting the yeah. votes. Um, but, I mean, they looked so happy to see Andre DeShields oh, win. Yeah. And, like, I was like, how amazing is it for them? I mean, he is, like, one of the most trailblazing black performers on Broadway for them as young black men in this show that is incredibly important to the community like to see him winning like that has to feel important and they I, I I don't know I'm sure they're disappointed they didn't win also but like it sure. felt sort of moving to see how happy they were for him um I'm a I'm a Northwest person and uh, so I've known Caitlin Kinnanen since she was maybe 12 oh, wow. um, uh, we've we're very tight and yes of course Caitlin wants to win a Tony Award you know mm -hmm. like but I think a big part of it for those young performers is just to be told, Caitlin, you are doing the kind of work that Beth is doing, that Stephanie is doing, that Kelly is doing. That is also a gift. And I think if you can be in the right headspace, if you're someone like Jeremy or, or Ephraim or Caitlin, that is a prize in and of itself. That completely. I, I, I was thinking of that in terms of someone like Damon and Caitlin as well. 
I feel like this is like this is just not their year. Like this is the but this is the year that really brought them to attention and like gave them this huge spotlight and will hopefully like be a launching pad for them going forward. Sure. I mean all all sort of different trajectories, right? Caitlin mm-hmm. I think has been pounding the pavement for since she was a Spring Awakening replacement. I feel like Jeremy sort of had such a incredible breakout year. Yeah. Ephraim's been you know, doing ensemble work since I think The Little Mermaid. So I was going to say he is like an ensembleist person. Oh, for, totally. for sure. Um, and to see them all sort of kind of level up. Let's use a Be More Chill reference. Yeah. Right. To see to see like, all right, we've gotten to this level. Now what opportunities are going to come to your, your way? And what are you going to do with those opportunities? I think that's thrilling. And to see. Anyone can be happy for Ephraim in that world. You know, we all want to yeah. see what Ephraim does next because yeah. he's he's an incredible force of a performer. Yeah, I mean, we all people... saw it on the telecast. He's insane. His energy level. Yeah, I feel like the world knows that he's a star now, and yeah. like some whatever he does next, like it'll be exciting to see. Um, I mean, I feel like we've it's been established that we're both very happy about Hades Town, but. As far as shows or performers, is there anyone you really wish had been nominated who wasn't? No, but I wish there was a Tony Award for Best Ensemble. Yes. Like I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw in a plug there. Uh, I know that we talk about how hard it would be politically or like what qualifies as a good ensemble, but those people work their friggin' butts off. And to be able to see a category that really celebrated the the ensemble actors, I think. I I really feel like it's the Tony Awards next step and we're just waiting for the right champion to say now is the time. And that's – there are other Broadway and theater-related awards that do reward ensembles, right? Yeah. The Obies, I believe, do um, a – off-Broadway ensemble, the mm-hmm. Cheetah Rivera Awards do a Best Ensemble. Yes, award. I think that's what I was thinking of. And then, but then when we look to our other sort of counterparts around the the Jeff Awards in Chicago, um, the Dora Awards in Toronto, they all have Best Ensemble categories as well. Mm-hmm. It really feels the SAG Awards have a Best Ensemble category. Yeah. Um, it's just it it just feels like it's time, folks. Yeah, I think no, we're just I'm waiting totally with you on that. I think we're just waiting for the right person at the top to be like, mm-hmm. now nah, let's do it. Yeah. So that's kind of what we do with the ensemblists is we're laying groundwork and showing off these great ensemble performers, kind of just reminding people time and again how incredibly talented and skilled they are. Yeah. Well, I vote for that. Not that I have a vote in anything, but <laughs> is there is there like a case against it for any reason? Or I just don't think there's a financial or political reason to do it. Uh-huh. Got it. You know, I think if we got a new i i don't this is this is above my pay grade but if we got a new league president or C, the the head of cbs said we want to do an ensemble award we'd do an ensemble award tomorrow mm-hmm. but there's just not somebody with enough power who wants to flip the switch yeah okay well that makes sense well if anybody who has power is listening best ensemble should be next i will say that i was um, yeah what are your I, what yeah. are your wishes well, my primary wish was was for Patrick Vale um, oh, in sure. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I, I think he's popped up on every like should have been nominated list, but uh, and and featured actor in a musical was like a super competitive category this year, and there's uh, everybody who was nominated was deserving, um, and I think. Part of part of the problem is there were, <laughs> such as it is, is that there were so many shows that had more than one really standout featured performer, mm-hmm. not someone who was just like 
the comic relief who stood out, you know, there were it, it, maybe the ensemble was shining more um, this year. But I just I don't know. I think that he he completely for me transformed my idea of the character he right. plays, which He's, is Judd Fry in yeah, Oklahoma, in right. Oklahoma. Okay. and. He, uh, I mean, I think that he's the person who, like, haunts everyone when you leave and um, who so many of my conversations about the show have been about him and how he made us all kind of rethink Judd as as not this uh, menace, but as this sort of outcast created by society. Um, I don't know what he did with the part was just so thought provoking and um, really stayed with me emotionally and I think hopefully like we were saying about the people who are nominated um again it'll be interesting to see what he does next and you know I think when you see someone like that who is playing completely against type and completely against the way we thought thought of the role hopefully whatever they do next maybe it'll be something that they wouldn't ordinarily be cast for but that people have faith that they'll do something interesting with it. The other person I'll put in that wish were nominated mix is Leslie Kritzer. I'm not the first person yes, to say it. Totally. I won't be the last, but she, I think it was just the case of like not enough spots for incredible female performances. You're totally right. Thank she, you for mentioning Leslie. She is in Beetlejuice. Yes. She's hilarious. She's hilarious. She sounds great. She commands the stage. And she's she's wonderful. Um, and she wears the hell out of some amazing costumes, too. <laughs> yes. And one really incredible quick makeup and costume change that I can't figure out how they do. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think I know what you're referring y- to. <laughs> yes. It's the change into Miss Argentina where you yes. go, how did you she's do like that? blue. You, yeah, yeah your entire body is blue. Where you? How did you do that? Um, so I, I wish that we would have been able to see her nominated as well. But, you know... I don't. Yeah, it's we aren't the ones nominating. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I I think that overall, you know, it was it was a fun night. It was a bit of an exhausting night for me, but yes. I'm I completely realize I'm super grateful to be able to be exhausted the day after the Tonys, and uh, and hopefully uh, it'll happen again next year. Yeah, definitely. Yay. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming, Mo. Thank you for it's having so me. It's so fun to talk to you about the Tonys, and we'll we'll make this happen again. Awesome. If you would like to hear more of Mo's podcast, The Ensemblist, you can find him at The Ensemblist on Instagram and Twitter. He uh, amazingly records twice weekly episodes. Uh, and you can also go to his website, theensemblist.com, uh, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about what life in the ensemble of a Broadway show is like. If you are a fan of Billboard on Broadway, please subscribe and give us nice reviews and stars on iTunes. Uh, this is a great time post Tony's to kind of go back uh, on the many episodes related to the past Broadway season, many of which have Tony winners in them uh, in the Billboard on Broadway archives. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, as well as on iTunes. And you can always find me on social media at Rebecca Millsoff on Twitter at you down with RMM on Instagram. You can always use hashtag Billboard on Broadway to talk about the podcast. And we'll be back soon in the post-Tony world. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.